Amen. Happy Father's Day. And uh, you can tell you who your dad is when people who haven't seen you since you were five and you're in your 40s and they walk up and say, are you Donnie West, son? <laughs> like, yes, I am. So it's obvious. I can't lie about it. Uh, now, happy Father's Day to all you guys, to you uh, birth fathers and you guys that are stand-in fathers and, and those that father in the, in the ministry and all the fathering that needs to be going on. You know, the Bible says that God's heart is that the fathers be restored uh, to their children, and uh, fathership is a very important role. Uh, we serve an awesome father, amen, and uh, you know, our, uh, the, the way that our kids grow up to see God has a lot to do with how they see us and how we respond to them, and so we're to mimic as best as possible the perfect father, the Abba Father. Uh, today we're going to continue in our series, so if you would, uh, hold your place in Romans 12, and we're going to begin in Genesis uh, 42, we're going to continue talking about the life of Joseph, and in this series, Dream to Destiny, we talked about this, that, that God had a destiny for Joseph, and to initiate this destiny, he, he gave him a dream uh, that gave him a, a glimpse into the future uh, of what uh, his life was to be about and how God was going to use him. Uh, it was a prophetic dream. It was God's prophetic dream over his life, you know. And did he have all the details up front? No. You know, what does the Bible say about prophecy? It says, we know in part, we prophesy in part. So you don't always have the details. And, uh, but we have to trust God with what we have to say, okay, God, I'm going to seek and pursue what I know right now. A lot, there's so many people today here that you have a general calling and direction that God's put in your heart but you're waiting on all the details before you make a move. But what's what God wanting to do? He's wanting you to make a move. He's wanting you to do what you know to do right now. I mean, imagine being Abraham. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family. And I want you to leave all that you have and follow me. And I'll tell you what I'm going to give you later. You know, imagine getting that deal. But apparently, Abraham, obviously the Bible says, believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness because he did what God asked him to do. And God blessed him, and God was with him, and God used him uh, to not only bless uh, and create the, the nation of Israel, but to bless who? Us. He says, through all the world, uh, people will be blessed uh, through you. And how many of you want to bless the world through what God has called you to do? How many of you want to make yourself available for that? Well, today we're going to talk about another test. Uh, we've talked, we're, we're, overall, there's ten tests in the life of Joseph. We've, we've covered uh, seven no, actually eight. Today's the ninth, and uh, next week will be the tenth. I think it's the purpose test. But today is the pardon test. Today is the test of this. Can you pardon people and give them forgiveness? Are you a forgiving person? Now, I'll tell you this. My mind is so full of thoughts right now because I've been reading on this and thinking about this. And, uh, you know, I've been watching this uh, instance take place in South Carolina where this young man walks in and shoots nine people. And how many of you have watched the court happening between him and the victims' families? He's standing there handcuffed, looking through glass, looking at people, confronting him about what he did to their children, what he did to their loved ones. They're telling him that we will never, ever hold my baby girl again. I will never see this brother again. I will never see this sister again. The pastor got shot and killed in this. And just, just over, over this, this anger and this bitterness that God warns us as people not to allow to cohabit in our hearts. And um, today, let's begin in uh, Genesis 42. There's so much scripture to go through. And, and the reality of it is, is this subject of forgiveness, you could, we could probably spend the rest of the year talking about it. So I'm only going to be able to generally touch it today. But I want you to know this. The Bible says that God wants us to have a good conscience with him and a good conscience with man. And for us to have a good conscience with God, we have to have a good conscience with man. As one goes, so goes the other. The Bible says if we, if we love God, say we love God, but we don't love our brother, that we're a liar and the truth is not in us. How can we say that we love God whom we've not seen when we say that we don't love our brother whom we do see? You see, it's, it's all... God has put us in the perfect mess. He has. He has put us in the perfect mess for him to demonstrate his love to us, but also to give us an opportunity to demonstrate the love that God has given to us to other people. So these are some things that, that I've observed 
going through the story of Joseph, uh, the first one being Wednesday night, when William taught on chapter 42, and I encourage you on Wednesday nights, we're, we're doing it the old school way. We're going chapter by chapter. We're just going through the Word, look at learning the story, learning the doctrines, learning the principles. And so if you, uh, unless you're a Bible scholar, which you probably aren't, uh, you know, come on, to, on Wednesday nights and learn something that will change your life. Learn about the Word. So in Genesis chapter 42, uh, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt, and Joseph has his first uh, encounter with them, and they don't even recognize their brother. The last they had seen him, they were angry at him. They wanted to murder him. They wanted to kill him, and uh, they end up compromising and throwing him in a pit and selling him into slavery. And, and despite his cries, despite his, his, his begging for mercy, they sold their own flesh and blood into slavery. And that was when he was 17 years old, and here he's in his, his, his 30s, he's in his 30s, and, and here they are, they show up, and, and, and Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And Joseph, who is Hebrew, speaks what? Hebrew. But he's an Egyptian now, and he's learned, he's learned the Egyptian language, and it, and it says here that he's using an interpreter between him and his brothers. He doesn't want to speak Hebrew because he doesn't want them to know that that's our brother. He wants to remain, you know, keep his identity, you know, uh, uh, you know, disclosed and not know who he is. And so while he's, he's using this interpreter, he's listening to his brothers, and, 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 and they, they're having an issue here. He's wanting to hold one brother, and they go back and get the other brother to prove that they're not spies and whatnot. But he's listening to their conversation, and this is what they're saying. It says, Then they said to one another, In truth, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. And that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. So, so what are they saying? We've done wrong and we're paying for it. We have done wrong. So I mean, you can't really get any better confession than that. Now, they weren't confessing to their brother, but their brother was standing there listening to the, the, the intent and, and the, the openness of their hearts between one another saying, we've done our brother wrong, and it's finally caught up to us, and now we're going to pay. And, and Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Now I want you to go to Genesis 45. And we're going to read verse 4 through 5. Now this here, so Joseph, after, after the process of what they went through and getting Benjamin and bringing their brother back and all these various things, Joseph decides it's time to reveal his identity to his brothers. And he says this, he says, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Could you imagine for, for, for 13 years, these guys have, have wondered what happened to our brother. For 13 years, these guys have had to lie to their father and not be honest with what really happened to their brother. They sold him into slavery. Uh, for 13 years, his father, Jacob, had laid in bed at night going, my son died by a wild beast. He says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. How in the heck? You, you know, I, I grew up, I, as a matter of fact, I had the t-shirt. Adam Walters got it for me. I, I loved Conan growing up. And, and, and Conan, Conan taught me this in life. What are the three best things in life? And the three best things in life are this, to crush your enemy, to see them flee before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> That means you've won, <laughs> you know. And, and I remember, you know, I remember in the Marine Corps watching that, you know, with a bunch of jarheads, and we would watch this, and man, it just fed into this Marine Corps doctrine, you know. If it does not agree with you, kill it. If it is your enemy, destroy it. You know what I mean? And, and, and you, you build this, you build this. And, 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 and so it, it came to a point in your life where, you know, your, your immediate reaction to anything that... that, that 
rubbed you raw or just did something wrong to you. You wanted immediate gratification of executed justice on their hineys. Amen? Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, I was one of those guys road rage. You know, I would I'd go down the road and somebody would cut me off. And Christy, Christy can tell you, I had imaginary 50 cows on the front of the car. <laughs> oh, you're dead. I just shot your car up. Look, they're, going, they're, they're doing flips through the air and their car's on fire. I mean, I'm just talking it out like I'm really doing it. I'm like, dude, you are nuts. Christy would be like, you're crazy. You know? Goodness gracious. Maybe they're on their way to the emergency room. Okay, maybe. But in case they're not, I just took care of it. You know? Not giving any, any attention to what's going on with this person's life. I mean, I've had to drive crazy a few times to get some places and... You know, and, 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 and I've, I've accidentally cut people off in my life, too. And then you're like, dang, I'm a jerk when people cut me off because I didn't mean to do that. And so, but do you do do understand what I'm saying here? There's that natural desire for justice. There's that natural desire just to like, oh, my God, where's Conan at when you need him, you know? And uh, do what? He's governor. And now... But, but here's what he says. He says, now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Because listen, he says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Dang. Dang, God. Why do you have to stress us out so much? Why do you have to put us in these situations? Why can't you just give everybody 50 cows and take care of their own business? Why can't we be Dirty Harry or Josie Wells, you know, and have three pistols in our pockets, you know, and just, hey, we're going to make this right, right now, you know? And, and so he, he, he you know, I, I, believe, I believe he heard his brothers what they were saying. And, you know, and obviously there's restoration, and we'll see in a moment here, but, there's, but the brothers are like, without him, without knowing he's there, they're saying, we, we've done wrong. And they were sorrowful for it. And their brother says, you idiots, I told you not to do this in the first place. And then when Joseph reveals himself, he says, don't be angry at yourself. God, you know, used this opportunity. And so, go to uh, chapter 50 of Genesis, the very last chapter, verse 15. It said, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. They're like, oh, God, Dad's dead. Who's going to protect us? It says, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And it said, but here's the deal. It said, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph cried. He was broken. He was like, you poor souls, I've done told you. Be not angry at yourselves. He was broken thinking that they're still struggling with this, that I, that I haven't told, completely forgiven them, and that there's still, there's still this fear and this anxiety that I'm, gonna, I'm the second most powerful man in the world. I've got enough horsemen and chariots and soldiers. I could dispatch a number of people, much less 11 brothers. And it says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. I think this, I don't think when they bowed down coming for food, I think this was the dream that God had given Joseph about his brothers bowing down to him. I think this, it was, it was about humility, but it was about this, that I'm going to restore what you lost, because what you're doing is going to serve my purposes. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I am a man in the place of God. He's not saying that I am God. He's saying that I'm a man in the place of God. And, and for, for one thing, he had, he had all the power in the world to do whatever, but he also knew that he was in the place that God had placed him to do what God wanted him to do. And when we are in the place of to offer and grant forgiveness to those that deserve it, we are, in the, we're, we are being ambassadors from God to obey and do what God has called us to do. Amen? And so we are in a place that God has put us to act as God would have us act. 
He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the most awesome picture of restoration that that you can imagine. And so today we're talking about the pardon test. Our ability to forgive those that have have done us wrong. And and we're going to talk about forgiveness in a moment because a lot of people have a bad understanding of forgiveness. I'll, I'll give you a little heads up, but let me tell you something. Forgiveness takes two people. Two people. Because forgiveness has a purpose. And it's not therapeutic for you in your mind. It's for reconciliation between two people. That's what forgiveness is for. Um, Forgiveness is a test not only of our our faith, but it's it's a test of our fruit. It's a test of us as individuals. You know, how how many of us came up here just, I, I gave today... With no sweat. I gave cheerfully knowing that I give to God. God takes care of my need and my, and, and my little ones. Because I trust Him. And I don't, I don't worry, that, you know, am I going to eat tomorrow or whatnot like that. I'm not, I'm not looking to, you know, to, 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 to get a yacht or anything like that. I'm just looking for this day-to-day walk with God, trusting Him uh, to meet my needs. Uh, you know, and, 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 I, and there's so many things that we trust God with. But I'm going to tell you this. God wants us to trust Him. For our injustices. And that is probably, this is what is just so wow. It's probably one of the most difficult things to give to God. And it's probably one of the biggest tests that we go through to say, Yes, God, I trust you. Because you told me to do this. You see, when God tells you to do something, and you obey it and do it, it's because you trust Him that the results are going to be what He desires. Without, without you fully knowing everything and all the details. Because and, 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 here's the problem with justice. We really don't know the truth 100%. You know, it's scary. You hear stories about people going to jail un, you know, uh, uh, for things that they didn't do. And, and what God is saying is, look, when it, comes, when it gets clear and crazy and murky, He says, you're going to have to trust me in these situations. Do what I tell you to do. I'm trying to bring about reconciliation between people. I'm trying to bring justice where it needs to be served. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to His purposes. What do you think Joseph was saying there at the end? What you meant for evil, God used for good. So, So for us to be able to walk in this pardon test, to walk in forgiveness, means that we trust God and His sovereignty and His providence in our life. And that's hard. Because we like to be in control and we want to make sure that things are done the way we think they ought to be done, but it doesn't happen that way. And sometimes God will take you on a detour just to show you that I'm in charge and it's going to happen the way that I want to do it and you need to see that I'm in charge, but that my hope is for good for you and that my will is good for you and that I love you. I've seen so many times when I tried to do things that I thought this should have been so simple where God just totally shut it down and it would not make it come to pass only to a day or two or just a few days later make it come about in a way that I can only give credit to God and say, God, that was all you, it wasn't me. And so many of us have these stories where God was clearly the one who brought it about in our lives. It wasn't our talent, our abilities, or, or anything about us. You know, so it's, it's, it's a test, our forgiveness and our pardoning of others. It's a, it's a true test of do we trust God when there's an injustice in our life. I believe it's also a test, it's, it's also the fruit of have you truly been born again? Have you truly been transplanted a new heart to understand forgiveness? Not only the receiving of it, but the giving of it. Matthew 6, 14-15 says, For if you forgive others their trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You can't truly forgive someone unless you've truly known what it's like to be forgiven. 
God, God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't look at William and say, oh, he's way worse than Chad, which I feel that way. <laughs> but that's not the way God sees it. And so here's the question. Can you trust God for justice? Can you, can you give things to God and say, God, I'm doing it the way you've called me to do it. And, 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 and here's the deal. When, it, when, when, when the other party doesn't repent, when the other party doesn't follow through to bring total reconciliation, then what do you do? And I feel like the answer to this, okay, so there's, 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 here's an offense, right? You approach your brother, and, and you try to work it out, and they, and, and, and they repent, and, it, and it's all good. You're reconciled, and you go on down the road. That's great. That's reconciliation, okay? But what if you go to somebody, and they're like, you know, stick it in your ear. I don't care. Then what do you do? Do you, then do you get your Conan Bible out? And to me, it's like there's, there's, people use this word forgiveness generally without really understanding it. And to me, it's almost like this. What do you want with your hamburger, mayonnaise or mayonnaise? And, and I've been struggling with this, this. I've been struggling with forgiveness the way I've seen people. It's like people are on the, the, the fast forgiveness truck. It's like we're throwing it out. It's like there's... there's there's no reconciliation, there's no confrontation, we're just giving it out like, like free bubble gum, but the deal is it's not accomplishing anything. Forgiveness is meant to bring people to restoration. If there's no restoration, then forgiveness is not complete, and I'll show you this in a moment, but one thing you need to know is we need to know about God, right? We need to know about God. In Exodus 34, 6-7, it says, the Lord passes before him, and, and God passed before Moses and before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. We love this about God, right? But nobody continues to read. But who will by no means clear the guilty? You see, we talk about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, but we don't, we, don't, we don't dovetail with it the justice of God. Because as loving as God is, He is justice. And He will in no way clear the guilty. How in the heck are the guilty cleared? How do we get cleared of our guilt with God? We confess. Is it a works? Do you do, you do some tricks? Do you store up brownie points? Do you become good and then approach God saying, okay, I'm good enough now? You say, no. We, we, we confess, we repent, we believe in the work of Jesus Christ because Jesus, while we were yet sinners, died for us. And so it is upon that that we are no longer guilty. We are clear. We are now righteous before Father God. And we are restored in a relationship with Him. Also, 2 Thessalonians 1.6, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Say, what? God loves his babies. God loves his babies. You want to make God mad? Mess with his kids. See, some people, like, what? We do. We, we, God, I do not diminish the love of God, but don't diminish, do not. Do not diminish the justice of God. You know, universalism teaches that God has forgiven everybody and everybody's going to heaven. And that's one of the biggest heresies there is. The Bible is plain and clear that no one is forgiven until we repent and confess that we need Jesus in our life. There's no works. There's no fixing ourselves. There's just simple this. God, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And if you have not done that, then you're not a Christian. If you have not done that, then your, your spirit has not come alive within you. If you have not done that, you have not been born again. If you have not been born again, you have not been forgiven. And you have no idea what forgiveness is to give to other people. Because it's something that has been implanted within us. Revelation 6.10, it says, and this, this is talking about the saints who have been martyred in heaven. It says, they cried out with a loud voice, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge the blood of those who dwell on the earth? So are you telling me that everybody in heaven has bitterness in their heart? 
No, they have justice in their heart. Because we, made in the image of our Father, ultimately are geared to think like our Father. Now, it's distorted when we're, when we're lost. And, it, and the Bible says, A natural man discerneth not the things of God, and neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. But when we come alive in the Spirit, our minds become renewed, and we begin to see things the way God sees. But God says this, Hey, I will in no way clear the guilty. But here's the deal. God wants us to not be guilty. It is the will of God that all men should come to repentance. Why? Why does God want people to repent? So they're no longer guilty. So that they're no longer under the wrath and no longer under the punishment, no longer under the weight of sin, but they're free. Now they can be a child. Now they can be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now there's no longer the wrath of God. The Bible says that we now have peace with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And that comes about by repenting and believing in the name of Jesus Christ, in the work of Jesus Christ. You see, here's the thing. God has offered forgiveness. And this is where we get confused. This is, this is where I keep getting the, do you want mayonnaise or mayonnaise thing mixed up. My, and, I, and I begin to see it. God offers forgiveness, but forgiveness is not complete. It's not granted until it is received through repentance. Until it is received through repentance. Um, let's go to Romans 12 now, and I'll come back to forgiveness. Hey, I'm in 1 Corinthians. That ain't going to work. There we go. Romans 12, verse 9. Marks of a true Christian. Now, what does that mean? This is what a Christian looks like. You see, I was telling you that forgiveness is a sign that we are Christians. How many of you know that there's signs that you're a Christian? And how many of you know that we fail, right? I mean, we fall. We, the Bible says the righteous man falls. You're going to fail, but, 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 but even there, the sign is that when we fall, we get up and we repent and we move on, go back to where we have fallen. But Romans 12, verse 9 says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Usually we outdo one another in cutting each other down and trash talking. But why don't we try outdoing each other with honor? Make a competition of honoring one another. It says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Why? Because Jesus said tribulation will come. Amen? And, then, and when we're in tribulation, what do we do? We rejoice and thank God. And be patient. It says, Be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. And then he goes into 14. He says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. It says, Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. So are we to be vengeful? Or are we to apply the, the rules of Conan in our life? Watch the movie, though. It's good. I think they're making another one. If possible, listen, if possible, if, if is a conditional term. Amen? If possible, so far as it depends on you, not them, but you, it says live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to what? The wrath of God. Why? Because God will not clear the guilty. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is not how we think. 
This is not how we respond. But I'm going to tell you this, there's, there's, and we're going, to, we're going to get into some more, but, but this here is what Paul says that we are to do as Christians. This is the mark of if we are Christians, you know, and this is the, this is the attitude that we should have, to trust God. And, and so there's a couple of things there he says. He says, bless those who curse you. It says, do not avenge yourself. So are we to avenge ourselves? No, but what are we to do? It says we are to leave it to God. To do what? To do whatever, he, whatever the heck he wants to do. To execute justice. To give them grace. Maybe even to give them the opportunity to repent in a later time where they can come to Jesus or they can make it right. And, and there's just no telling because here's the deal. God knows way more than we do. God understands this person, what they're going through, what's going on. And, and so, and so it, what we want to talk about is how, how do we forgive? Because the, the word forgive is very misunderstood. It's not being utilized right. Uh, somebody goes and they blow up a house and they kill all your children. And you say, okay, well, we need to go make the big sign and put it in our yard that says, I forgive you. No, it don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You cannot give forgiveness unless it's received. It takes two people. Here's, 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 what, here's, the, here's what forgiveness looks like. Mickey shoots my dog. Okay? And I'm like, Mickey, you shot my dog, dude. That wasn't right. I offer you forgiveness. Now, I'm offering it, but based on what Mickey does determines if it's granted or not. See, there's a difference between offering it and granting it. Now, I think some people understand that when they say, I forgive you, and, you know, but here's the deal. Understand what you're doing, okay? Get your turn. Don't, don't use the word forgive to mean two different things. Because I've asked people, so what do you do if somebody repents? Well, you forgive them. What do you do if they don't repent? Well, you forgive them. Well, that's not completely true. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll explain myself in a minute. But, but I, now, I offer forgiveness unconditionally I offer it unconditionally but I can't grant forgiveness unless there's repentance I can't grant it unless it's conditional so if Mickey walks up come here I say I offer you forgiveness and you say I accept him. I'm sorry for what I did. yeah that's when forgiveness is granted because now we're restored huh oh he said he says he says I'm sorry and forgive me I've, I've done you wrong you see, there's, there's been interaction. And now there can be true forgiveness because if forgiveness does not lead to reconciliation, then what has it done? And you have a seat. Reconciliation is the goal. It's, we have this therapeutic forgiveness thing that where we deal with it within our minds and ourselves. We don't, we don't confront or deal with the other person. There's no reconciliation there. And we walk away from the situation thinking everything's okay and everything's fine. But it's not. Why? Because God wants his people to get along. God wants his people to be in restored fellowship. God wants his people to walk in with one another. And so I want to read you some scriptures. How, how do we forgive? Okay? Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. So is there any time where we should let anger and wrath and malice take over? No. Along with malice. It says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, how did God in Christ forgive us? There was repentance. Hang out with me now, okay? If I get misquoted at this, I'm going to call you, and we're going to have to deal this out. Listen to what I'm saying through this whole thing here, okay? I'm not saying that if somebody doesn't repent that, that you're to, to raise Cain and, and burn her house down. No. What I'm saying is you have to give it to God. You have to give it to God and do what we just read in, in Romans. Luke 17, 3 through 4 says this, and this is Jesus, right? Is there anybody that can speak better than Jesus? Speak for Jesus better than Jesus? No. Pay attention to yourselves. If. What is if? It's a condition, right? If your brother sins, rebuke him. If, and it doesn't even say if he sins against you. It says if he sins. Rebuke him. All right, now I want to stop there. If your brother sins, rebuke him, okay? Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger 
And it is his, to his glory to overlook an offense, okay? You can be offended without being sinned against. The Bible says, do not be offensive, and it also equally says, do not easily be offended. There's so many people, they're big, whiny, two-year-old Christian babies. They're offended at absolutely everything that is done. Get over yourselves, repent for your problem, and quit trying to give everybody else a problem. Amen? I mean, because if, 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 if everything you had was entitled to deal with the way that Jesus said, we would have to have court every day. You know, because of your petty little offenses. And we have to understand, you know, that, that not everything is something worth dealing with. You know, read Proverbs, and, 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 and I was looking for that scripture, I couldn't find it, but it basically said, you know, if somebody does something that's not characteristic of them, just kind of let it go, okay? People have a bad day, all right? I mean, if somebody does something that gets under your skin, just let it go. Now, if they continually do it, you know, I mean, you have to address the situation. You have to let go. First of all, don't get mad. There's a time for righteous indignation. But, but when it comes to deciding, should I confront this person, first of all, examine yourself. See if there's any, you know, ships in your eyeball, logs in your eyeball, two-by-fours in your eyeball before you go deal with somebody else. Second of all, what are they going through? Did their house just burn down? Did they, did they drop a few, you know, cuss words because they're upset about it? Are they, are they emotional? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Look at what, what's causing this person to act like that. Uh, secondly, is this normal? Is this an ongoing issue? But, you know, there's times to look and, and, and not, you know, just let it, you know, in those times you do just let it ride, you know, so, okay, they're just, this isn't typical, all right? Because you could turn into a Nazi. You're going around trying to bust everybody's shops for everything, and some things aren't even worth dealing with. But there's times, it's those things that when you lay down in bed at night and you can't sleep, and when you're having anxiety, and you can't have peace with somebody, you know, like, maybe this is something you need to deal with. And here's the deal. You can't deal with it in your mind and say, I forgive them. I'm not going to confront them. I'm going to disobey Jesus. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm just going to act like nothing's going on. But you can't until you deal with it. And so, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If, conditional. It says, and if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. When? If he repents. Uh, Matthew 18, 15 through 18 says this. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, this is Jesus once again, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Don't build a fire team. Don't plan an assault. Don't tell the whole church to get them on your side. Some of you, I have counseled time and time again how to do this. And it's obvious you're either ignorant or apathetic in how to do it. That means you don't know or you don't care. You should know because you've been told time and time and time again. Pastor, I just want your opinion. I just want to know. You want me to know prematurely in case it doesn't go well for you. I need to be the last person to know. I need to know after you've attempted to deal with it. Be an adult. And here's the thing. Your object, your object when you go to restore a relationship, if it's to prove yourself right and them wrong, you failed already. Your, your absolute goal is to bring peace between you and your brothers and sisters. That's what God wants. And if you don't do that, if that's not your goal, then you failed. You should be old enough now to use the English language properly to communicate one another, hey, this is what's going on. Don't go in angry. You know, hey, if it, you know, sometimes you need to maybe wait a day to, to cool off and to think and to pray. Make sure this is an issue. If it is, go deal with it. Go deal with it. Some of you have been counseled enough times in how to do this. Do it. Because I'm going to tell you this. You're going to get crossed up with somebody before you die. Multiple times. The Bible says that we will. And the Bible says this is how you fix it. You know, if you're looking for a church we're going to go to where you have no, there's no offenses and no, no disagreements, then you have a church that is so shallow it is not doing you any good because you're not having any relationships. You're not living any life together. There, there's, there's, there's no life there. So if, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. Be happy. Be reconciled. Move on. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you 
that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to, t- to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is what Jesus said. Dang. That don't sound like forgiveness where there's reconciliation. And we move on in a happily manner. And he says this, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So he's saying, he's saying, heaven's backing you on what you're doing. Do what you're supposed to do, and heaven will be with you. And so people assume you can forgive and not be reconciled. That's the biggest assumption as Christians, that I can forgive somebody, grant forgiveness, not offer it, but grant it, and, it, and, and there's no reconciliation. No, that's, that, that, is, that is us sometimes being cowards not wanting to deal with it. We just want to deal with it in our minds and just give us ourselves therapeutic forgiveness but not actually bring reconciliation to the table. Because let me tell you something. If you're, if you're PO'd and offended at somebody, you, you can only fake it for so long. You can only get in their presence so many times that everybody else is like, what's wrong? I'm offended by that. We'll talk about that at church. I'm picking. You need some water? I'll share my water with you. Okay. It's okay. She hicked up. So, but, that, but that, is, that, is, that is the biggest assumption. That I have not confronted my brother. There's been no repentance. But everything's okay. No, it's not okay. And, and that's the whole point of forgiveness and repentance. Is so that there can be reconciliation. So that there can be oneness. Because God says, I want you to have a good conscience with man. And I want you to have a good conscience with me. So you can't live with this therapeutic forgiveness. It's something that has to be dealt with. It's something that has to be walked through. I, I was watching this one man, that one, of the, one of the church members that was talking to this, uh, this, this uh, Dylan Roof kid that went in and shot these people in the church. And he was standing at the podium and he looked at him and says, I forgive you. He says, take this opportunity to repent. Take this opportunity to make your heart right with, with not only me but God. Because the guy knew that even though, he's, even though he's, 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 he's done a grievous thing, the guy was still concerned ultimately about that boy's soul. That God could forgive him and that God could restore him and that God could break him and, and, and clear him of his guiltiness so that he could repent and be brought into a peaceful relationship with God and man. You know, it's interesting when people do something like that. They walk out the door and the reporters ask them what? How do you feel? How do you feel? Well, what they're wanting them to say is this, is I feel regret or I don't give a flip what I've done. That's what the reporters are asking these people when they come out of these rooms. But also, not only are we to forgive, but we are to ask for forgiveness when needing it. You know, Matthew 5, 23 says this. It says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember, your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be first reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. God doesn't want anything from you when there's a dispute between you and a brother or sister. He wants that fixed first. And Sunday morning is not the time to work that stuff out. Sunday morning, we should come to church reconciled, ready to give, ready to worship, ready to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, ready to enter his courts with praise. And if you've got disputes and stuff like that, you're not ready. You're coming in here faking the funk, saying, hey, I'm going to worship you, Lord, when, when uh, no, you, there's all kind of funky nastiness in your heart. And God says, I want you to deal with this before you even come and give. Good conscience between man and God. And lastly, I want to tell you this story. You're like, man, you know, how, how can I trust God with my justice? You know, my, my mother was raped. I was six months old in the, in the bed. Dad sought the guy to, 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 to kill him. But God knew that Donnie West, I'm, I, he, he wasn't even saved yet. Donnie West, I got a, another plan for you. Now, in this, in this scenario, the guy gets shot in a bar five times in the chest, and it wasn't by Dad. And I think that was God's intent, that it wasn't Dad. Why? Because he wanted to bring Dad to Christ. He wanted Dad to preach. He wanted Dad to see not a hundreds, thousands of people come to know Jesus. Thousands of people be cleared of their guiltiness before God through Jesus Christ. That's, that's the way God. All things work together for the good. 
And in that situation, he learned, God, I can trust you. God, no matter what happens. You know, when, when he, when he uh, you know, and, and there's people say, you know, this therapeutic forgiveness crap, saying, well, you need to forgive God. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. God doesn't need to be forgiven for anything. God needs to be trusted. 100%. But I want, you, I want to read something to you in Acts 7 before we close. Acts 7, 58. This is a story of Stephen. And Stephen was simply declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it said that the people were so angry that they grit their teeth. Said that they put their hands over their... I mean, this is like demonic craziness. These people were so mad. Said they put their hands over their ears and they were gritting their teeth and they're like, oh, we want to kill you. And they drug him out in the streets and they stoned Stephen for sharing the gospel. And in Acts 7, 58, it says, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses, listen to this, laid their garments at the feet. Of a young man. Mm, Named Saul. Dude, if that don't hit you, I don't know what does. A young man named Saul. Held everybody's garments and clothing. As the crowd was so angry that they stoned Stephen and killed him for sharing the gospel, the good news. It says, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a Lord voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And he wasn't saying, God, I, he wasn't saying, I forgive you guys. He was saying, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you, God. I give it to you, God. And it says, and when he had said this, he fell asleep. How many of you know who this little boy named, this young man named Saul was? Saul was the persecutor of Christians. Not only did he observe the stoning of Stephen, but he himself with horsemen and soldiers, went from town to town, dragging Christians out by the hair, throwing them in the, in the, in the coliseums to be eaten by lions, killing them and destroying them. And one day, Paul, one day Saul, who was riding on his horse to go kill some more Christians, got knocked off his horse and blinded. And God said to Paul, he says, Why do you persecute me? And at that moment... The young man who watched Stephen get stoned and watched Stephen say, God, I give it to you. Do something in these guys' lives that are killing me right now. Let them see who you are. Let them see what I am declaring. He became a newborn, regenerated believer. He wrote the scriptures that we just read about what to do in these situations and became one of the greatest apostles that ever lived after doing what he did. You see, God didn't want Stephen to rise up and kill Paul yet, or Saul. He wanted to change Saul so much that he actually got a name change. He says, you're now Paul, and you're forgiven. And I don't hold any of this against you anymore. You're not longer, any longer clear guilty. And if Paul understood forgiveness better than, he, Paul understood forgiveness better than any person in the world because he had been forgiven so much. That he penned in his letters, love one another, be gentle, forgive one another. And, I, and he's, he says, when possible, seek peace. When possible, have a clear conscience between man and God. He says, but when it's not possible, you've got to give it to God. You still love those people, but here's the deal. <laughs> They're not forgiven. It's God's responsibility to deal with this. Pray for their forgiveness. Always have, the, have forgiveness offered. Because here's the deal. Even though we were not forgiven, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. It was offered. But it, had, it was not granted until we repented and said, Jesus, I receive your repentance. 
is so important. This, this, you guys, this is more important than money. It's more important than anything else in the world. Is the relationships that God has called us to walk in and to love and to maintain. And you know what? I, I, doubt, any, I doubt anybody in here. You know, some of you, I know it, it's, it's appalling as a pastor to, to, to begin to understand how many women have been molested and, and raped in, in their earlier years. And it's like, oh my God, we don't even know. People don't know what's going on in people's lives until you actually get into people's lives and begin to minister to them. But you know what? I'm going to tell you this. There's nothing, nothing in this life that you can hold on to is worth the bitterness that Paul says, don't allow this to come into your life. There's nothing worth you losing the whole rest of your life. And there's countless of people that we counsel day in and day out saying, hey, give this to the Lord. Let the Lord have this. Satan is destroying you. You are destroying your children. You're destroying everybody around you because of the bitterness and the angst. And there's so many people not enjoying the fellowship of the Lord and His people because they refuse to forgive where they need to forgive. And they refuse to let God take what they can't make right. And today is a glorious opportunity to say, God, I've trusted you in so many ways. I mean, we're trusting God with eternity. We're trusting God with our families. We're trusting God with everything that we have. But do you trust God with the injustices that have happened in your life? Have you given your offerings with unforgiveness in your heart? Have you given your offerings knowing that you have offended somebody or done them wrong and you haven't been to them going, forgive me? Don't stop at therapeutic forgiveness going, I forgive them. I'm never going to deal with this. But no, God wants complete restoration. Are there consequences? Yes. There's consequences. Even after restoration, sometimes there's consequences. You know, Nathan approached uh, David, and, 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 and David, David wailed and cried before God and said, God, forgive me. He says, I forgive you. He says, but the sword will never depart from your house. There's some consequences going to come from the wrong that you've done. He says, but... Our fellowship is restored. And if you want to have a great walk with the Lord, you've got to have a great walk with your brothers and sisters in the ability to pardon and to receive pardon from one another.